straighten up. How many times have parents said this to their kids, sometimes even in church, right? How many times have our parents said this to us while we were kids growing up, straighten up? And we can understand that parental command from a couple of different perspectives. The first of which is to quit messing around, pay attention, straighten up that way. But we can also understand the command to straighten up, to literally straighten up, quit slouching. How many of our parents have said that to us when we were growing up? Oh, sure, of course it did. And such is the case with Jeremy Duncan. Anybody familiar with Jeremy Duncan and the comic strip Zitz? All right, yeah, I enjoy looking at the comics. Um, I'm kind of old school that way. I like to see it in the paper, which I get at home. So I enjoy Zitz, I enjoy Big Nate, um, Baby Blues, comics like that, Mutts as well. So if you're not familiar with Jeremy Duncan, he's a central character in a comic strip called Zitz, and it debuted over 20 years ago in 1997. Uh, Jeremy is a 16-year-old high school sophomore, and his parents are Walt and Connie Duncan. And just to let you know how popular this comic strip is, in this 22-year period. It now appears in some 1,700 newspapers. It's in 45 countries and translated into 15 different languages. That's pretty popular, I'd say, which says to me that the life of a 16-year-old sort of transcends every culture and language that there is out there. It's all the same. So Jeremy lives with his uh, parents somewhere in central Ohio suburbia, and he's trying to navigate the complexities of being a 16-year-old, uh, the balance of family life and not being overly embarrassed by what his parents say and do, uh, his social life with friends, his classes at high school, plans for the future. And this is a recent comic strip. And you might not be able to see it from where you are. So Walt and Connie, Jeremy's parents, are talking. And he asks, uh, Walt asks Karen, does it hurt? Because she's on crutches. She injured her, her leg. And she says, a little. And he says, being on crutches is a big pain. She says, yeah, but it has its benefits. And she pokes Jeremy with one of her crutches and says, stand up straight. And he says, stop poking me with those crutches. Jesus is telling us to straighten up in that gospel lesson for today. He says, now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And it's those two little words, straighten up, that form the basis for preaching on this day. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. 
So the context of today's gospel lesson is that Jesus and his disciples are in Jerusalem. And the disciples are sort of bowled over by everything they're seeing and taking in, the grandeur, the enormity, the magnificence of the center of Jewish worship there in Jerusalem at the temple. This is now the third temple that is in Jerusalem, built by Herod the Great, and at the time, these gospel words were recorded, that temple was still under construction. It hadn't yet been fully completed. And Jesus gives a harsh dose of reality to everything that the disciples are talking about. He lets them know not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. When we're feeling strong and confident ourselves. This is often reflected in how we carry ourselves, right? We tend to stand up straighter, we walk with purpose because we know where we're going. Conversely, when we're feeling not strong and not so confident, weak and uncertain, this also is reflected in how we carry ourselves. We tend to slump our shoulders and kind of shuffle along. There's a lot in Jesus' words today to his disciples then and his disciples now that might make us feel weak and uncertain. Wars and tumults false messiahs, antichrists, great earthquakes, famine, pestilences, epidemics and plagues, persecution and imprisonment, cosmic signs in the heavens above and on the earth below that cause people to faint with fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world. That would make anybody feel weak and uncertain. But when the world is literally falling apart and everything seems lost, Jesus calls on his children not to slump our shoulders and just shuffle along. He calls us to straighten up. He calls on us to lift up our heads because our redemption is drawing near. It is close at hand. Jesus provides us with wisdom for living in these final days before he comes again. There was a partial fulfillment of Jesus' prophetic words that occurred in the year 70 AD when Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed. That is what this image depicts. Under the Roman general Titus, the city and that magnificent temple that the disciples were admiring were all destroyed. Stone upon stone came down. And prior to this destruction, there was indeed a time of great suffering. The city was besieged for an extended period of time, causing unimaginable hardship, hunger, and disease. Followers of Jesus were indeed persecuted for his name's sake. They were indeed brought before kings and governors before and after the fall of Jerusalem, there was imprisonment. And yes, there was even death 
for some. But the final fulfillment, the ultimate fulfillment of Jesus' words here in the gospel lesson are yet to be revealed. We are still waiting for those awesome, those terrible signs in sun and moon and stars, in the seas and the oceans and the waves, all of that is yet to come. And when that happens, all of our human ingenuity and resources will fail us. All of our contingency plans will fall by the wayside. The end will be upon us. And we will then see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Knowing this, how then are we to live? This is a picture of a rural farmstead in a remote part of the Netherlands. And you might be wondering, so why are you sharing that with us? Last month, Dutch police found a 58-year-old man and six young adult members of a family unrelated to that man, all hidden in the basement of this farmhouse in this remote part of the Netherlands, where they had reportedly spent years waiting for the end of time. Local media said they were found after one of the young adult members of that family went to a nearby pub, drank several beers, and asked for help. He was in a confused state of being, they said, saying he had not been outside for nine years. And some of those who were set free after the discovery indicated they did not even know that other people existed. All very strange. The police discovered a hidden staircase behind a cupboard in that farmhouse leading down to a cellar where the group was hiding. They had no contact with the outside world and they were completely self-reliant on that farmstead. Now that is a bizarre and extreme situation. And it is an example of how we are not to live as we wait and watch for the Lord's coming. We're not to wall ourselves off from the world living in fear and isolation, rather trusting that this Lord Jesus Christ who went to the cross and shed his blood on that cross for us, who rose from the dead and triumph over death and the grave is also coming again for us. He calls us to live in this world in such a way that we may always be ready to leave it. He calls us to turn away from our sin, to walk in a new way, a spirit-led way with repentant hearts. He calls us to do on earth those things which prepare us for heaven. He calls us to love and serve one another 
as he himself has loved and served us, that we may not grow weary in doing good until he comes again. The final verses of today's Old Testament lesson are, in fact, the final verses of the Old Testament. The last book of the Old Testament is the prophet Malachi, a short book of only four chapters, and the closing chapter, the closing verses, are what are our Old Testament lesson for today. They speak of that day as a consuming fire that will destroy all evil, all evildoers, and that's a fearful thing to ponder. But for the child of God, we see more than just that destruction. We also see beyond it and are rejoicing as we're told, but for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. And that is the basis for what we'll be singing in about a month's time, a beloved Christmas carol that has this stanza. Hark the herald angels sing, stanza three. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. And that from these last verses of the Old Testament. We know who that Son of Righteousness is. We know. It is the Lord Jesus himself who calls us to love and fear his name. Fear not in the sense of terror, but fear in the sense of holy awe and reverence for that name which is above every name. For there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved except the name of Jesus. My friends, in the hustle and bustle of daily life as we are going here, going there, and preoccupied with so many different things, the last thing on earth that we may be thinking about is this, when Christ will come again. And so maybe the message for today, the worship for today, is a prompt, a reminder that if for this life only we have hoped, we are of all people most to be pitied. No, in all of our comings and goings in life, Jesus reminds us he reminds all of his followers that even though we live in this world, we really are not of this world. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. 
people of God knowing all of these things straighten up. <laughs> when the world around us goes from bad to worse, and when isn't it going from bad to worse? When the creation itself seems to be collapsing as the end draws near, when there is fear and foreboding, lift up your heads. In Christ who loves us, who laid down his life for us, we know how the story ends. Death and destruction are not the final word. We await a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And all of that will be revealed when Christ comes again. And so we pray, amen. Come, Lord Jesus, amen.